This episode of the hour on the Renewal Ministries podcast network is brought to you by Renewal Ministries. Today, I'd like to highlight something new we're doing. It's the first ever digital Advent mission. You know, most parishes around the country will do some sort of parish mission for Lent and for Advent. And since we are not traveling and uh, we're still in COVID times, we decided to bring the Advent mission to all of you live online accessible to anybody who wants it. This particular Advent mission is based on Ralph Martin's book, The Fulfillment of All Desire. This mission will help you build a solid foundation for the spiritual journey. Each Sunday in Advent from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Dr. Ralph Martin, we know him well on this podcast, will teach and answer questions on the first stages of the spiritual journey as found in his book, The Fulfillment of All Desire. This Advent mission is for everyone. Ensure your foundations are still strong or discover the basic decisions and practices necessary to make further progress in the spiritual life. We are encouraging parishes to join us as a whole. So we have a whole uh, promotional packet that if you want it to share with your pastor and the other people in your uh, parish, please go to renewalministries.net. It'll be a pop-up. You just click on that and you can get uh, the whole package to be able to share with anybody who you might be interested. The Fulfillment of All Desire is a spiritual classic. It really is. and It's a, a bringing together of many of the doctors of the church on how to grow in the spiritual life. Monsignor Charles Pope actually said about the book, of all the books on prayer I recommend, this, the fulfillment of all desire, is at the very top of my list. Anyone for whom I have been a spiritual director will attest that my first request of him or her is to obtain a copy and begin reading it. So, spiritual Advent mission online, live, every Sunday in Advent with Dr. Ralph Martin, 8 to 9. Register now, renewalministries.net. Today on the hour, we are joined by uh, Father Steve Pullis. He is the Director of Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship in the Archdiocese of Detroit. We talk about some of the things that are inspiring him right now. We talk about the North American Martyrs. This was recorded several weeks ago, uh, actually on the Feast of the North American Martyrs, so that's uh, why we were talking about them. But there's just some tremendous insights he provides as to what these men can uh, teach us and inspire in us as we try to live as missionary disciples as well. And then as always, after my conversation with Father Steve, I just have a few reflections and thoughts from Scripture. Hope you find them inspiring. This is The Hour. I'm Pete Burak. Coming up next, Father Steve Pullis. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and rate us. I always forget to say this, but it helps a lot if you leave a review. Give us a five-star rating if you think it's worth it so that other people can find out about our show. All right, but first, my friend, Connor Flanagan. All right, I'm here with Father Steve Pullis. Father Steve, how are you today? I'm doing great, Pete. How are you? Fabulous. This is great. I'm looking yeah. forward to this. I'm, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to talk with you. It's always a great joy to, to chat with you. Totally, totally. We, uh, I've had the privilege on the hour here of having several like ministry friends and real friends. Mm-hmm. Not that ministry friends aren't real friends, but you get the idea. yeah, I'm curious what the distinction is there. Yeah, I don't even know what the distinction is, but like maybe friends that were birthed out of ministry moments. Yeah. Uh, and what's fun about that is, as I've said several times, is we've had conversations in the past that I've come away from thinking, gosh, if there had been a microphone there, 
that would have been a great podcast. And in our case, I think it was probably better for the viewing audience or listening audience that there wasn't a microphone there, especially in our classes at the seminary. But some of those moments with even with your sister, Mary, and others just brought me a lot of joy. And uh, I, I, I think about them fondly, it's, you know, those times in, was it Latin class and a few others that were just like, what is happening yeah. right now? Yeah, I remember uh, Vatican II was one of the classes we had together. That's right. That's right. Yep. And uh, could always count on you for, you know, that random eye contact where we both like, hmm, are you getting this too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, diving right in. Uh, the question I've been asking most of our guests to get this started is uh, a lot going on in the world, pandemic, fires, election, social justice, all of that. And we can get into various elements of that as we begin to talk. But just on a personal level, what has the last six to eight months been like for you? Yeah, thanks. Um, it's been weird, right? I'm sure everyone has that same kind of uh, response in, in one way or another. But um, Pete, I'm sure a lot like you, I'm very much an extra extrovert. I get energy and get life from being with other people, being in community. Um, as a priest, one of my favorite things is just being with people. So obviously ministering, administering the sacraments and uh, being with people at, at the parish, um, but just in all different walks of life, kind of um, being in communion with other people in community. So, um, you know, when the pandemic uh, first started, I, I, it was really hard. I mean, I, I thought this is really challenging to not see other people and to just to do everything digitally. I found it um, very inhuman, very, um, I don't know, like not how we were made to be. So I would say it was really challenging at the outset. Um, you know, my role in the diocese, uh, the Archdiocese of Detroit here is to do um evangelization, discipleship stuff. And that means working with a lot of our parish leaders. Uh, and so I would say after my initial like complaining and grumbling, like the Israelites <laughs> in the desert, um, yeah. um, I, there was a little bit of a, a clear clarity in my mind to say, there are lots of people who need help kind of working through this. And so, uh, you know, in the next, let's say after the first few weeks, I did kind of have this switch to, okay, stop making it about me and the challenges it is for me, but how can we help parishes, parish leaders, and the faithful uh, think about this, um, realize God's grace in it, and really just walk with people, even if it's not the way I want to walk with them, mm -hmm. in the way that uh, I can right now. So, um, you know, there's been, uh, I would say it went from being hard to being, um, an opportunity to learn new things. And then now a, a little bit of appreciating the opportunities that I have to, to be in relationship with people and to, um, you know, to, to hear confessions face to face, to go and celebrate mass, to, to talk with people before or after mass in ways that are safe and responsible, but ways that don't just kind of create a, uh, an artificial barrier between us. So, Lots of emotions in that rambling answer. Um, yeah, no, totally. No, and I think a lot of us, well, that's just a good lesson for life too, is a lot of times in moments of change or, or trial, our first instinct is how does this impact me? Yeah. And then the 
fast as, as soon as we can get out of that the faster we can get out of just a myopic response and more of the how am i called to serve and give even in the midst of this time uh the quicker i, f- I feel like often peace comes um in the in the times of innovation and you know new things that you referenced are there are there anything that has come out of that that you say like actually this is not just specific to pandemic life i'm going to use this for in an ongoing way or i think this mentality or this strategy or this insight is actually going to inform my ministry even once things get back to whatever normal looks like yeah yeah I think, uh, you know, my own attempt to use social media and, uh, we, you know, we were talking before we started recording, I'm 37. How old, Pete, you're a couple of years younger than me, right? Yeah, 32. Okay, yeah. So I feel like I am at the upper edge of being um, really fluent in digital things. Like I'm not the most fluent people, but it's a native language for me, right? Uh, social yeah. media is not this like foreign concept for me. Um, and, uh, just finding ways to use that, uh, to proclaim the gospel. And it looks different, you know, the way I see it, it looks different proclaiming the gospel in a digital sphere rather than in a church or in some other way. Um, so for me, it was seeing the people I could touch by just doing little short, um, very poorly, technically poor, uh, videos on, uh, on Facebook or little things on Twitter you know, reaching people I went to grade school with or friends of a friend who made a comment or I saw they watched it, you know, people I know would never go in a church. People I know, like, do not have not just a, um, an appreciation for God, but maybe through an experience or through their own kind of challenges have really rejected that. Um, to me, it was this awesome opportunity to speak to these people. And even if you're not speaking to them directly, that they're kind of listening in on the conversation. So, you know, I did a couple of um, kind of Facebook Live opportunities where people could ask me questions. And uh, I just know a lot of people didn't ask questions, but were, were listening in and thinking about this and trying to, you know, understand maybe a Catholic perspective or even just a Christian perspective on life, pandemic, suffering, hope in the midst of all of this. Um, it gave me a renewed confidence that uh, I can reach people through the digital environment that I would never be able to get to come to an event. So that can kind of be the front porch for our evangelization efforts. Um, and that's something I don't quite know how to incorporate it into the other demands of my life time-wise, uh, but it's something I don't want to lose. Yeah. The, you've been at the forefront here at the AOD or one of the primary leaders of what many within the church has recognized as a pretty, pretty unique and pivotal phrase and document and process that the AOD has instituted called Unleash the Gospel. Um, I'm curious, at what point, and I want to get into a little bit more about what that means, yeah. but what point did you personally, again, maybe as a priest, not so much as, as in your discernment of the priesthood or whatever, but as a priest, did you kind of say, oh my gosh, like evangelization, the making of disciples, the proclamation that leads to conversion and faith, all of that. This is, this is not just like something that's a part of my priesthood, but if I dare say foundational to your life as a priest, do do you, did you have any particular moment or series of moments that led you to that? 
don't know if I don't know if I can point directly to a moment um, where I saw that happen, but uh, I certainly know. You know, I spent two years in a parish right after ordination, and got to be involved in lots of people's lives, um, families. There was a big school there, lots of kids in religious education. Um, you know, just all the normal pastoral ministry and the ways that that brings you into contact with a pretty wide variety of people uh, and to see how many people just do not know Jesus, do not know kind of the basic understanding of um, Christianity, you know, outside of a set of rules that uh, the the mindset was understanding Christianity as like here are all the th- the do's and don'ts rather than this mind blowing revelation of a relationship with God being possible, um, and so that's where it, you know the the clarity for me became um, we have such foundational work to do uh, to make Jesus known and loved even among people who are part of His church. Um, I think about the great stuff you guys do at Renewal Ministries and. Uh, the importance that 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 requires uh, for people to understand, like, you know, just going to church is not going to be something I do culturally anymore. And especially, you know, coming out of a pandemic when it's more available to go to church, I think there's lots of people we're going to we're going to lose who are just going to say, you know, I've fallen out of the routine a bit. Um, And we have to find a way to proclaim the gospel directly into people's lives. Pete, I'm sure you see this in your work and uh, working with young adults, especially the way so many of them just don't have a, a foundation of, of the gospel and the hurt they've experienced in their lives and the need to know that Christ brings brings healing to that hurt and brings meaning to even, even the crappy parts of our lives. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you have to see this too. Oh yeah. No, I think about we were doing a, an alpha course actually in our house and about four weeks into it, a faithful Catholic person who had been coming, um, who, who self-identified as someone, I'm, I'm Catholic and I've gone to mass basically every week my entire life. She looked at the group at one point about four weeks in and said, you keep talking about Jesus as if you know him. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what you mean by like a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where, you know, you, you, you know that that has to be the reality for many people who would profess to be Catholic based on the decisions they make in their life. Right? You can make some of those assumptions and maybe wrongfully or rightfully, it doesn't, that doesn't really matter. But to see it that expressed uh, in somebody that I was growing to really like and love and kind of become friends with, it just put a face on this thing that you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it, and it stirs up with those of us who are trying to bring about awareness to and, and conversion to the, the person of Jesus uh, and the urgency of like, how is this possible? You know, how is it possible that somebody could be a faithful mask goer for years and not really understand or ne- had never been invited in a way she understood to give her life to the Lord? Um, when, you, when you go about the, the mission of proclaiming the gospel, as you say, is there any aspect of the gospel that you find particularly compelling for people right now? I mean, there's, there's, you know, a thousand different angles you could take. There's the basic gospel message, the charisma that, that we don't really tamper with, but is there, 
any particular element or any particular moment within the proclamation of the kerygma that you find people most are drawn to or kind of come alive to like, oh, wow, that that shocks them into a sense of of belief or decision or um, questioning or anything like that. Yeah. You know, in these last number of months, and it's a little different now, but at the beginning of the pandemic, when everything was online, we were doing, you know, watch mass on live stream or um, participate digitally. Um, It became really clear to me the importance of the sacramental economy, which is maybe a little too, too fancy of a terminology, but the reality that God makes himself present through created things here and now. Hmm. And it's different for us as Catholics to, you know, stare at my computer screen and to watch a mass rather than to be in the church and to physically see these things, to touch yeah. the holy water, and even more so to receive the Eucharist, you know, the, the bread that has no longer bread and the wine that is no longer wine to have the priest who God uses as a, a creation to, um, to be a mediator for God's grace. Um, so I think the way that, uh, so two senses here. First, the way that we see God, uh, that we have to interact with the created world to understand God. You know, our faith is not some esoteric thing that we kind of go off by ourselves and figure out but it's mediated through things of this world. Um, I think that's so important. And then to get to your question, Pete, is to understand that, that God is always working in my life through the concrete circumstances of my life. So St. Paul talks about this all the time in his epistles, that like I don't need to go away somewhere else to do God's work. But God has made himself present here and now, even in my sufferings, even in my weaknesses, even in the circumstances of my life that annoy me, like a global pandemic, like, um, you know, the the social justice strife going on in our country. Um, God makes himself present in the circumstances of my life. And so helping people understand how um, that you know, being faithful to God in this moment is really the uh, is really the crucial part of of evangelization. In saying, I don't have to run off somewhere else, but I have to you know realize what God has laid uh, before me. Um, one of the one of the stories I was thinking of as you were sharing um, about the person in Alpha is uh, this young woman who has been coming to Mass for years came up to me after mass one time and said, Hey father, I'd like to like to talk about some things. Do you have some time? And so we started meeting, you know, every, every other month or so. And she had questions about the faith and was asking them and it started pretty, pretty basic, you know, like why this and how is that? And uh, we, we were talking about good Friday and talking about Jesus dying for our sins. And I was trying to explain that to her and she just stopped and she said, I don't mean to be rude, but what does that mean that Jesus <laughs> died for my sins? Like, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> and I yeah, thought, yeah. thank you so much for asking that question. I, I think it's so easy for us to get lost in church speak. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it was really kind of convicting for me to say, okay, I have to find a way to talk about this that is real for her life and not just kind of regurgitating theological principles. 
Yeah, I I love that story because on on so many levels, but the the what it forced you as a disciple to do was to dive into first things and kind of yeah. first principles and say, all right, just because I understand this and I have language to describe what I understand is really not enough when it comes to somebody who doesn't understand. I mean, and it's so funny because if it was a math problem or a uh, an English class, or if you find yourself in a school and a student asks something like that, any good teacher is immediately going to go back to the drawing board to break it all down, go step by step to bring about understanding. And yet what it seems like in, in often in catechesis or even evangelization efforts is we just, we just take these massive jumps down the road and say like, well, they should just understand, or how could they not understand? Or it's so understandable to me. And I just presented it great. You know, I, I, I was so moved by my presentation of the gospel. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was so proud of myself and the, the reality of it was, um, you know, she was asking the question, I'm sure lots of other people have thought of, but it took some time for her to get that trust to say, you know, she to call me out like I needed to be called out. She's like, you're using terms that I've heard before, but they don't make any sense to me. Like, I don't understand that. And uh, it helped me to say, OK, this is not working right now. How do I explain this in a way that she can understand it? It called me to a deeper level to to say, OK, what does this look like? Um, and, and how can we really wrestle with it so that it's not just her being polite and listening to me, yeah. but it's really passing on the faith in a way that can take root in her life. And that's, to me, the purest form of when you hear the Pope or others talk about dialogue and accompaniment. Mm -hmm. To me, that's, that's a pure expression of that. It's not this kind of random um, or never-ending exchange of ideas or I'm just going to walk with somebody until kingdom come. It's like, no, we're, we're, we're both pursuing meaning. We're both pursuing truth. We're both pursuing understanding between each other. And we're doing it within the context of trust, friendship, and love that allows for disagreement and allows for really good questions to happen. But, um, but there's a point to it, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's helpful for someone that you're talking with or engage with um, to have enough trust or confidence in you to call you out on that, to not just say, okay, well, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to be um, kind of out of line here, but I'm just going to kind of keep it at a surface level. Because for her to ask this question is to say, no, I'm really wrestling with this and I, I can't just pretend to get it or pretend that what you're saying is enough. Like I have to, un I have to understand it on a deeper level if this is going to impact how I live my life. Yeah. Well, and partially because the gospel is, is just not a, I mean, it's a foreign concept, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's built into us from a standpoint of natural law and kind of infused grace to, to help us. But especially for those, the, the unbaptized there's, we are walking in the dark and reason alone only gets us so far. And the gospel is a stumbling block in a, a tipping point in a, you know, all that. And so to take the time to actually explain it to somebody, you wrote an article for the Unleash the Gospel um, website uh, on the North American martyrs, which we just celebrated. And to me, these guys are great examples of what you're talking about. Could you just speak a little bit about, um, and I'd, I'd highly encourage anyone who 
would like to read the article to go to unleashthegospel.org because you've written some really excellent stuff over the last several months. But this one just grabbed me because these guys are just wild men, but they're all in for the gospel and they had this incredible impact and yet they were all tortured and they all, I mean, could you just talk about them for a minute in the context of where this conversation has gone? Yeah, you're going to have to cut me off because I could talk about the North American martyrs for uh, for weeks here, Pete. Um, awesome. Yeah, these are these are these phenomenal. Uh, they were all French missionaries, Jesuits who came over in kind of the early to mid 17th century to the the French colony called you know Huronia, uh, the Hurons um, in Quebec and into the province of Quebec, uh, Ontario, northern uh, New York as well now. Um, New France at the time, uh, and they came over to proclaim the gospel to people who had never heard of Jesus before. So you have the Hurons, most especially, but you also have the Iroquois, Mohawks, uh, different uh, Native American tribes in the area. And they show up, they don't know the language, they don't know the customs or the culture. Uh, They show up with very little uh, that they have, you know, kits for mass, uh, a couple of, you know, things to, to get through the climate. But otherwise, they show up pretty empty-handed and many things they lost in the difficult journey across the Atlantic Ocean and then through the St. Lawrence Seaway deeper into um, the the Native American uh, tribes where they lived. And they went through all these difficulties and privations so that people who don't know the gospel can hear the gospel. And they showed up and they said, we want to learn how to proclaim this in a way that, that you understand. And so they had to learn the language. They had to learn the customs and the culture. They had to learn what the the concept of the Hurons uh, had for God and for the dead, how they respected the dead, what they thought of God's relation to nature, God's relation to man, um, what the afterlife was like, so that they could proclaim not a watered-down gospel, not like a 50-50 gospel of Jesus Christ, Native American syncretism, but so that they could proclaim it in a way, in words and images and with a conviction that people would understand. So they had to learn the the language and the culture, but they also had to build up trust. And so, you know, they had to live among the people and they had to show uh, the the Native Americans from the chiefs down to the the slaves and, and every kind of social caste in between that they had their good at heart. They weren't here to take advantage of them, to get rich off them. They were there selflessly to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And it required meeting people on their terms. And I love how you talked about accompaniment, Pete, because they were there to accompany the Huron people to the gospel in a way that didn't compromise what they believed and, uh, but understood that it can be, you know, a huge leap at the outset. So to walk with people to understand um, with a clear direction of baptism is eternal life. And to not have baptism is to be robbed of the great gift of eternal life that God wants you to have. And so they sacrificed all these things, gave of their lives, and their their deaths are incredible in the amount of torture they suffered and how they suffered it with a um, kind of a resolve to do whatever God asked of them. Uh, but they, they went through all of this so that they could proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to people. And I think the North American martyrs are some of the preeminent examples of um, of what it means to be evangelizers. We don't have to go through all of that suffering, but we do have to understand we, when we meet people, 
who don't have a foundation in Christian values or the Christian understanding of the human person, that it requires effort on our part to speak a language that they understand and to convince them that we're not there just to kind of score a convert for our little tally, but we're there to give them the life-giving power of the gospel freely given just as we have freely received it. Yeah. Amen. Sorry, that, that turned into a little homily diatribe there, but you asked for it. So. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. And in your article highlights many of those, those things and your point's well taken. It's not that we are called to travel across an ocean and, um, you know, enculturate with a, a group of people and, and, and do that. But the principles by which these men live their lives are the same principles we're called to. Um, you think about St. Jean de, de, I can never say his name, de Brebeuf. Um, my French is as good as my Latin, as you know. Uh, you know, he's, he's, in, he's, he's in this missionary world for 24 years. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like he's, this is not just a mission trip experience. He's, right. he's going to live with them. He's going to become, in some ways, even become one of them. You know, there's a there's an incarnational dimension of these these lives that is so beautiful and so Christ-like. God became man, so to draw us out into a deeper relationship with Him. In some ways, He becomes one of them in order to draw them into a fullness of humanity and a fullness of of faith. And you see that with Him. But then, like Isaac jokes, you, you know, gets tortured. He's a captive, and then he goes back to France, and then his only thing he wants to do is go back to the New World. I mean, right. what what must be burning in your heart to to drive you to something like that? Yeah, and, and I think that's where you talked about the phrase we use, unleash the gospel. Um, that has so many layers to it in my mind. You know, the layers of unleash the gospel, like let it wild in your life that God doesn't want to be this kind of contained caged part of your life that, you know, this is your dressing up and going to church on Sunday and, you know, kind of combing your hair and being neatly shaved. Like those are not bad things. I'm not saying those are bad things, but that's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is wild and it's meant to like drive you places you wouldn't normally go. And so one of the ways, just one of the ways I think of unleash the gospel is like, let the power and the fire of God and the Holy Spirit kind of lead us places where we wouldn't normally go. So um, that's where it's so important for us to to realize um, the gospel has power and it's not meant to be just a, a small power that I can control in my life, but it's meant to be like a wildfire that brings God's love into places that maybe I'm a little afraid or intimidated by, or I don't know what to do here but I let the gospel direct me and I don't try to control it on my own. Yeah. And it's, it's that conviction about the need for people to know the Lord, just this deep conviction that it matters. It really matters whether or not somebody uh, is in the family of God, that there is something eternal at stake. I mean, that that's the only explanation for why you would endure what they endured. You cannot chalk that up to, colonialism or, you know, um, this desire to, of, of some sort of power trip. The only reason somebody endures something like this is because they really believe that it matters. 
uh, and that can be a discussion point. You can have a discussion with somebody about whether it, it in fact does matter, whether or not somebody knows the Lord and is baptized and everything, but you just can't question that as their, their core belief. Um, with, with the couple minutes we have left, I, yeah. I love asking this question because uh, in a time of everything we've talked about, it can be easy to focus on the negative. What, what's bringing you joy these days or what's uh, filling you with hope as you survey your life, you survey the church, you survey whatever, whatever area you want to take it. But what's, what's kind of um, building you up right now? Other than Big Ten football coming back? Yeah, there we go. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, what's bringing me uh, joy and hope is uh, coming out of some time in quarantine, you know, writ large for all of us. I do feel like two things. One, I have a greater appreciation for the great gift it is to see people face to face and to talk with them about important things. And just to appreciate that as a gift God gives me to share the gospel with people. And I know he wants to use me in their lives as well. So the way, like, that's a tremendous gift God gives me in, in relationships, friendships uh, with people who are sold out for Christ and those who don't know him yet uh, or who are in between. Um, just the, the way I feel like people are more open to that, more appreciative of um, the interactions and talking about things that really matter, having gone through the difficulties over the past number you know, eight months or so, seven, eight months. The second thing um, about that, that, uh, that brings me hope, and this is kind of a weird one, Pete, but, um, you know, I work at the Archdiocese of Detroit. We've had, um, uh, we've had fewer people on our team, fewer resources, fewer opportunities to do things. Uh, and that has led to a, a lot of suffering, a lot of, you know, people who've lost their jobs or, plans that we started that are kind of um, scrapped. But, you know, the grace of that to me is I feel like God is really focusing our efforts and mm -hmm. trying to help us say, like, stop trying to do everything, but think of what's most important. So I do feel a greater clarity about what's the most important thing we need to be doing instead of being distracted by uh, limitless opportunities and more resources, having scarcity in those areas has created uh, both a greater dependency on God and a greater clarity for what we need to be about. Awesome. Well, you are in our prayers. Thank you for coming on the hour, Father Steve. And uh, anyone interested in getting more from Father Steve, go to unleashthegospel.org. Thanks, brother. We'll be in touch, all right? Thanks, Pete. That was Father Steve Pullis. Very grateful to have him on. He's a good man, a good priest, and... Uh, so wonderful to see when the spirit moves in the heart of someone like him to lead him to serve God's people in the church in this way. And he responds, yes. Uh, it's just a great blessing to have good priests, isn't it? So let's pray for him. I wanted to close this time with just a quick scriptural reflection that led me into a, a line, a phrase that's just been sitting on my heart. Um, so yeah, here it goes. Jeremiah 29, 11. You've probably heard this one before. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for woe, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I've just been thinking a lot about and praying through uh, God's faithfulness. 
and the fact that he's trustworthy and that he always fulfills his promises. He never leaves us wanting. He never backs away from coming up to support us when we need him. And we all know there's different times in our life where we've we've felt the exact opposite, right? We felt where it's like, where is God? Why isn't he doing what I want him to do? Why isn't he providing this, that, and the other thing? Um, and certainly the, the, the time we're in right now, you could be very much one of those seasons where friends and coworkers uh, have lost jobs because of uh, the economic downturn or people we love are, are diagnosed with COVID or uh, like in our previous episode with Danielle Brown, some of the racial tension and um, inequality that's been manifesting itself in another way in, in the in, in the country right now. There's just a lot of different ways where we could wonder where God is. And yet the scriptures are so full of um, calls to remember that God is faithful, that he is true, that he provides for those who love him, that when we are faithful to him, he is faithful to us. Um, that, you know, Jesus is like, look at the, the, the flowers of the field. They're so, they're beautiful and they've been provided for the sparrows, all, all of it. He's just, there's just so many scriptures about this. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, for whatever reason, has always stuck out to me. It's just like, he has designs on your life uh, for a future full of hope and not evil or woe. Uh, plans for your welfare. And, it, and, you know, God's version of welfare for us is <laughs> just different than our definition. It's just, it, yeah, some of that may include an economic uh, and, and money needing that. Sure, he knows we need that. But he's just so much more concerned with what do we need to be faithful? What do we need in order to be holy? What do we need in order to finish the race and therefore be with him for all eternity that, so that he can provide the fullness of everything we long for? everything we long for, that fulfillment of all desire that Ralph talks about. And so this line that came to me in prayer that I just, as I was thinking about God's faithfulness, I had this um, this phrase pop into my head. And as I kind of repeated, I thought, man, am I plagiarizing this from someone? Because this seems really pretty good. Like, did I hear this from somebody else? And uh, I looked it up and I, I didn't see it anywhere. So I'm sure other people have said similar things. I'm not pl- claiming to have a completely original idea here. But this is what I felt like the Lord said. Your commission will never exceed his provision. Your commission will never exceed his provision. If you're called, or better yet, when you're called, he will provide everything you need every time. Your commission, your mission, your calling will never exceed his provision, what he's capable of providing for in order to get you to accomplish that mission. If you're called or when you're called, he will provide everything you need every time. One of the reasons I'm just so grateful that the Lord gave me this two sentences is basically like, I just need to proclaim this as true. I need to take a step, uh, an act of faith and just just reiterate this to myself, that I am called, and when I am called, when I am commissioned to do something, everything I need to accomplish that mission is mine, is is at my fingertips. 
through the Holy Spirit, through Christ's action in my life, through the church, through sacraments, through my friends, through my family, through my mind, through my gifting. The Lord has provided everything and will continue to provide, and he's faithful to his promises. That I can take it to the bank. I can push all my chips in because I know that the God of the universe has my back. And that, I mean, if we if we lived in that truth, if the church lived in that tr- truth, if we just embraced that and just declared that over ourselves, my commission will not exceed his provision. He has everything I need and more. I, I wonder what our lives would look like. I wonder what our fruitfulness would look like if we lived in that. And you know, I'm not... Again, I'm not suggesting there won't be times of doubt or concern or feeling like this isn't, he's not answering our prayers in the right way or genuinely lacking something. But even in those moments when we, we, we don't have enough or we perceive we don't have enough, the Lord always makes a way and the Lord always provides what we actually need. And I, I just tying this to the, the martyrs um, that we talked about with Father Steve, they were commissioned to bring the gospel to these native peoples in the new world. And everything they needed from a, from a standpoint of grace and power, they received, even though it led them to desolation and destruction and ultimately their death. But we know because of we're Christians that like even that is a great blessing for their lives because it meant doorway into eternal life. That they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and they, they are... They, they wouldn't trade anything. They wouldn't have asked for any more money. They wouldn't have asked for any more political influence. They wouldn't have asked for any more earthly comforts compared to what they have now. And that's the transformed mind of Christian. That's this transformed mind of the eternal perspective. And it's living in the truth that whatever he commissions, he provides for. He is the provider. He's the sponsor. He's the one handing out the welfare <laughs> and not well. All right, I'm Pete Burek. This has been The Hour. We've got some great shows coming up. We're trying to get one out every 10 days. Don't forget, subscribe, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. Leave us a comment, a review. That would be great. Don't forget to check out Ralph's Fulfillment of All Desire, Advent Mission, RenewalMinistries.net, and we will see you soon. Your love